turning then to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. I had told you uh, early on that I was going to have four messages on the book of Jude. Um, that's turned into five. We'll cover both of those next Lord's Day, one in the morning and uh, one in the evening. Those last two verses of verse 22 and 23 just begged for a message, right? And have mercy on those who doubt, snatch others by save others by snatching them out of the fire to others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh, our call as the church. But also that glorious doxology, not to him who is able to keep us from falling. So Lord willing, that's where we'll be next Lord's Day. Tonight, we're in Matthew chapter 13, continuing our series on the Westminster Confession. Uh, dealing with the subject tonight of saving faith. And that's what we'll be looking at from the parable of the sower. So I'm not going to spend much time on where the, the seed doesn't take hold, but on where it does. Let's hear God's word. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose... They were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seed fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them... It has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken, from, taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, their case, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says... You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, Many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. And for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world 
and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this extremely beautiful day that you have given to us. The warmer weather, the bright sunshine, it is a hint, a glimpse of what is going to be coming in this spring. And yet, Lord, we know that you are in control, that none of this is a surprise to you. And since you are in control, we can leave that concern that we have in your hands. We just pray that you will guide us, that you will give us strength to meet whatever comes our way. Pray that you will give Pastor Bob guidance, that you will give him wisdom, clarity of mind, so that the words that he speaks will implant themselves into our hearts, just as the seed that falls on the good ground does the same. And may there be an explosion of abundance. We just ask these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. And amen. So we want to look at two things here. First of all, rather briefly, the parable. And then secondly, the explanation. And as I said, uh, dwelling mainly upon the last of those soils that is mentioned. First, it might be good to simply remind ourselves what a parable is. It's an earthly story. It's a common story. It's something that would, they would be very familiar with. Right? The, these are not in the sense of uh, uh, animals talking of trees having legs and moving, that, that's not a parable. Nor is a parable an allegory in the sense that every little detail has to have some sort of meaning attached to it. That's not a parable. A parable is simply an earthly story, but it has a spiritual meaning. And we see that very clearly here, do we not, in this parable. It's simply an earthly story, something they would have been very, very, very familiar with, something that had probably come across their sights many times. And yet Jesus uses that which is very common and very ordinary in their life experience to teach us a great lesson about saving faith. First of all, then, the parable. We meet a sower. There's, there's one who is sowing seed, who is, and although it is not defined for us in the parable, it is left undefined, but yet so clear that we could not unmistakably miss it. It is the Lord. The Lord is the one who sows the seed. The Lord, by his workers, by his kingdom workers, those who are seed sowers, but the primary emphasis in the parable would fall on the fact that the true sower is indeed the Lord. Secondly, there is the seed. The seed we know from verse 19 in Jesus' own explanation of the parable is the word of God. Luke in Luke chapter 8 verse 11 reiterating the story in his own version 
uh, in his own way, in his own placement, tells us the very same thing. That the seed is the word of God. And the ground, the various grounds that the seed falls upon, we learn as well from verse 19, is the heart. The human heart. Listen to Jesus' explanation. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes, snatches away what has been sown in his heart. The heart corresponds to the soil, the path. So Jesus' whole parable breaks down to this. He sows the seed of the word in the human heart. Common story. Jesus himself gives us the explanation of what things stand for. That, however, that story leads the disciples to ask a question. Why do you teach them in parables? Now what's interesting is we are in the 13th chapter of Matthew. We are approximately halfway through Matthew's account of the life and ministry of Jesus. This is the first parable. Meaning that there is a change. Something has happened that in chapter 5 Jesus isn't teaching in parables. Chapter 10 he isn't teaching in parables. Chapter 12 he isn't teaching in parables. But now he is. And the disciples now come with a question. Why are you now teaching in parables? What, what, what's the change? What's the reason that we have this sudden shift in how you are carrying about ministry? Jesus, again, answers their question. Verse 10, they came and asked. Verse 11, he answered. To you... It has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. What's the purpose? It's a grace. Jesus speaking in parables is a grace. It's a grace to the disciples. To you, it has been given. I speak in parables to Jesus, Jesus is saying, because to you, it has been given. It's a grace. You didn't earn this. You don't deserve this. But it's given to you that I speak to you in parables. It's a good thing that I'm coming to you and speaking to you in parables because to you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is revealing to them something that is not revealed to others. That is a grace. Jesus goes on to say, but to them it has not been given. God has chosen not to give the secrets of the kingdom of heaven to others. Why? What happened in chapter 12? 
Well, look with me, first of all, at chapter 12, verse 14. What had happened? Jesus, in verses 9 through 14, or 9 through 13, had healed a man on the Sabbath. Verse 14, but the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. What had happened? The Pharisees had turned their backs on the message. They were no longer willing to hear, nor are they willing to see. They are only bent on destruction. And that would be true not just of the Pharisees, but of the religious leaders. Why do you teach in parables? Because to you, disciples, to you has a grace been given. To you, you get to hear the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it hasn't been. Why? Because they're under God's judgment. Why? Because they're seeking to destroy or we could go down a little bit further to verse 24. Then it, we'll go to 22. Then a demon oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him and he healed him. So the man spoke and saw. Interesting, right? And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? Verse 24. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man has cast out demons. They charged him with blasphemy. They don't want to see, they don't want to hear. They don't want to understand. They only want to destroy. To you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. They are under the judgment of God. What's interesting is that included in all of this as well are some cities where the judgment of God is resting upon because of their unbelief. They ask for a sign. Give us a sign. No, I'm not going to give you a sign. The only sign you're going to see is the sign of Jonah. So the reason chapter 13 begins with, here's Jesus sitting in the boat, people on the beach, and he teaches them in parables. Here's his first parable recorded by Matthew. The disciples say, why? To you it's a grace. To those who reject me, it's a judgment. But notice the kindness, compassion of Jesus. He knows full well the disciples don't get it. <laughs> to you, it's a grace. I'm not sure I get the grace because I'm not sure I get even the parable. Okay, First time. Notice what Jesus does. Then let me explain it. Let me explain it. And he goes through exactly where we've been, right? The sowing of the seed, 
okay, the word, the heart. Then he tells us about the hearts. He tells us about the soil. And we know it's about hearts because he's told us that. There is, for example, the hardened heart. That the seed doesn't penetrate, even. There is, for example, the unrooted heart. It has no depth. Doesn't stay. Right? He can look over this crowd and he can see the Pharisees in their clothing with their boxes on their foreheads. Their hardened hearts. But then he can also see this crowd and he realizes that in this crowd that he is observing, there are those as well who fall in that category of unrooted. As soon as the pressures of persecution are going to rise in the days that follow. Because remember, the Pharisees are beginning to become agitated and seek a way to destroy him. They're going to become unrooted. There is no believing heart there. It's the miracles that are drawing them. It's the signs that are drawing them. Then there are the choked out hearts. I wonder if he looked at Judas at that moment. Hmm. But how many others could he have looked at that are standing in that crowd that the cares and concerns of life were going to choke out the seed from ever really taking root? But then Jesus brings us to the fourth. The good soil, he calls it. That if it's the good soil, that means it's the good heart. It's the believing heart. Now I want to do, first of all, I want you to understand the greater teaching that Jesus is giving us here. Jesus is not giving us a lesson on farming because most of us miss the real farming picture here. Okay, we miss it. Because if you stop to think about it, what farmer sows seed on top of the ground? What farmer goes out to any field and just walks out to the field and begins throwing seed? But I would imagine that's the way most of us read this. Oh, he came to a good field. Nice and big and large and open. I'll just start throwing seed. Is that the way a farmer farms? Understand what Jesus is teaching when he says good soil. What makes a heart good? We have all sorts of texts in Scripture that tell us that our hearts are only evil continually. Where in the world do we get good hearts from? Something has happened to this soil, hasn't it? What has happened to this soil? What did the farmer do? What did the sower do to this soil before he sows the seed of the word? In a few months, you're going to see it all around us. Give my preference. Nice green and yellow tractors in the field with big pieces of equipment behind them. 
And those big pieces of equipment are digging into the ground. They're plowing up the soil. They're bringing that soil to the top. See, good soil is prepared soil. Prepared by who? Prepared by the sower. Who's the sower? The Lord. See, this is a picture for us of a heart that has been worked up. Now, where have we read about that in the Westminster Confession? Where, where has this been dealt with? Remember that subject of regeneration? Remember that idea of being born again? Oh, evil soil has become good soil. How? By the plowed up work of God in the human heart. The human heart has, God has turned over. Right? Sometimes that's what we refer to plowing as. It's a turning over of the soil. It's a digging deep. It's a cutting down and then a turning over of the soil. That is for you and I a picture of God's work of regeneration in our hearts. Because you see, the soil is a heart. But this is good soil. Good soil. Because these are hearts that have been regenerated. Now what happens? That heart is planted, sowed. The work of God has begun in the human heart. God then takes the word and plants it in the heart. God doesn't scatter Willy-nilly. Okay? Let's suppose the, the field over here, the Van Dyke field over here, down uh, Arthur Street. They, let's suppose they're going to plant corn. Okay? So they, they go out, they take the tractor, they work it up, plow it, chisel it, whatever we're going to call it these days. Okay? Now comes along the corn. They just load it in a manure spreader, pull it behind the tractor, turn on the manure spreader, and just start throwing seed. Because that's the way you farm, right? That's how you sow corn. Now they come along with this corn planter that takes that corn and push, push, push. Pushes it down into that soil that has been prepared. What's the seed? The word of God. What does God do with that word? He plants it deep. Remember that little thing we talked about, about that, that uh, calling thing? There's that general call, right? But then there's that effectual call. Where what? Where the heart hears the word. Where the soil that has been prepared by God, where the heart that has been opened by God now can receive the word, can take the word in. See, Jesus is giving us a lesson on farming. We just got to understand the whole of the farming. Right? Else we have a good man who just happens to hear a Bible passage, becomes converted, and now begins to produce. 
Well, first of all, who is the good man with a good heart? See, Jesus is giving a picture here of the entire work of salvation. The field that God chooses. The field that God elects to choose. The field that God opens up, regenerates, takes the word and plants it deep. Not just scatters it on the top. That's what's the problem with all the other soils. It never penetrates into the heart. Because only in the good soil, only in the heart that has been regenerated, is the, soil, is the seed planted deep. They hear the word. They believe the word. The work of God in salvation. The teaching that Jesus is giving. Now what's the result? You've got to turn the outline over if you're following along. What's the result? Well... From a, from a salvation point of view, what happens when that seed is planted into that plowed land? Something we refer to as conversion. What does conversion have? It has two parts. Repentance and faith. Let me ask you a question. Let's suppose we're planting that corn in that field. Tell me, what happens to that corn that's in the ground, in the soil? It dies. It dies. A death is going to occur. What does the word do when it's planted by that effectual call of God into a heart that has been prepared? It causes death. Death of the old man. That mortification of sin. And then what happens? New life. New life. New life is brought. New life occurs. New life happens. The seed dies, but then there is life that comes. We are dead to sin, but we are alive to Christ. That's what the Word does. The Word that is planted in our hearts causes sin to die. But it causes us to turn to Christ in faith. To turn to Christ in belief. So that we are, as the scriptures say, dead to sin, but alive in Christ. That's the believing heart. That's what Jesus would say is saving faith. That's a faith that saves. The heart that has gone through this glorious farming work of God. Oh, but there is more, isn't there? 
there is also that sanctification we talked about. It's not only that conversion, but there is the sanctification. What happens? The plant grows. Look at verse 23. And as for what is sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. It grows. This word that is planted within the heart of man that causes sin to die, that brings us to faith in Christ and trust in Christ, makes us alive in Christ, doesn't just stay under the ground. There is no farmer that hopes that that which he plants stays under the ground. He wants it to grow. He's looking for the day it breaks soil, begins to grow. And he says, there it is. There's my wheat. There's my barley. There's my soybeans. There's the corn. It's seen. Becomes recognized. That's what sanctification is. It's, it's the ability to see Christ in us. It's the ability to see the word at work. It's that we're no longer under the soil, but we've broken through. And we produce. We don't just grow and become nice corn stalks. We produce a fruit. We don't just become that which looks like a weed. We become wheat with a head, with kernels on the top. And we produce a hundred or sixty or thirty-fold, we produce fruit in keeping with our repentance. We bear fruit. It is seen. It is evident. That, that is saving faith. You take one element out of it. You take one element out of this process of this good soil and you do not have saving faith. There is no saving faith, you see, without God's preparing and plowing us up in that work of regeneration. There is no saving faith without that effectual call. There is no saving faith without conversion of repentance and turning in faith to Jesus Christ. There is no saving faith without growth. And there is no saving faith without fruit. That saving faith takes it all takes sanctification, it takes conversion, it takes effectual calling, it takes election. That's why when we stand back and look back over these weeks of, of what is it that, that we've studied, what is it that we have covered, 
in this plan of salvation. Saving faith comes as sort of the summary of it all. Here it is. Here it is. Jesus told them a parable. He told them a parable about a man sowing seed. But he was really telling them about the kingdom. He was really telling them about who really is in the kingdom. Who really are the true believers. And to them. See, to them, it was a grace. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of heaven. God's grace of saving faith. And God's people say, amen. Father, thank you for your word, for its reminder to us out of this, this earthly story. Something we're going to watch and see and in a few months take place before our eyes. We're going to witness the plowing, the planting. We're going to witness the conversion of these seeds into living plants. We're going to see them come up through the ground. And Lord, if, if you tarry, we're going to see a harvest, a picture for us that Jesus has provided of what has happened in our hearts, what has happened in our lives. What a grace. What a grace not only to have it happen to us, what a grace to know what you have done for us. Thank you, Father, for saving faith. In Christ's name we pray. And God's people say, Amen.